Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I'm your host, Kay Fresh, and like always, we have a great show for you. But before we get into that, let me remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just uh, share any links that you see on there on any of your social medias. That would be cool. You can also click on the link that says support the podcast, and there's a link to donate to PayPal. And then there's also an Amazon link that anytime you want to make any purchases on Amazon, use that link and it'll shoot a little commission our way. It doesn't change anything on your end. You can also follow Fresh is the Word on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word, then the number one. And then also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. We're also available on a slew of platforms, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just go to any of those places, search Fresh is the Word, and it should come up pretty easily. You can click the follow or subscribe button, whatever the lingo is on the website, and leave a comment, leave a five-star rating, leave whatever you want, as long as it's good. It'll help out the podcast so much. Now on to our show. Sorry for the delay this week in uh, putting out a podcast. Most of the week I wasn't feeling well. I felt like I was exercising devils out of my body. I think I need to go to sort of a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle because my body isn't handling a lot of the junk that I'm putting in it. I, need, I just need to eat healthier, but when you eat healthier outside of the whole you know, vegan, vegetarian lifestyle, uh, it's so confusing for me. It, it, those are kind of confusing, but it's real confusing, you know, when you're checking carbs and checking blah blah blah. So I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I have to like 
do something real quick because when when I eat when food affects me, dude, it really affects me. And this past week been horrible. But then yesterday I also went to the Vans Warp Tour. I felt a lot better, dude. Warp Tour was awesome. It was that it was that recharge of my creative batteries that I needed. It was inspiring. It was awesome. Did a lot of interviews, and I'm gonna definitely have a Fresh of the Word podcast Warp Tour edition coming up i don't know when it's gonna be very soon because uh, i definitely want to share these uh these wonderful interviews that i did with from all from bands from all walks of life it was like the variety was like like crazy of the of the people that i talked to i've got a great guest for you this week his name is sean harmanis he is the lead singer of the australian based deathcore band make them suffer they got a new album coming out on july 28th via Rise Records called Worlds Apart. And they're also going on tour here in North America with Enterprise Earth and Spite. So it's going to be a really heavy tour. Super excited to see it here in uh, in uh, Michigan real soon. So we get into, you know, sort of like the history of the band, the history of their sound, how they've progressed over years, talk about some of the lineup changes. So let's get to the interview with Sean Harmanis from the band Make Them Suffer. Hey, what's up? Hey man, uh, yeah, not much, dude. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. It's kind of late over there, isn't it? Yeah, it's about eleven thirty on a Friday night, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got some. I've actually got some. Uh, yeah, some friends over drinking, but I told them I was doing um, an interview, so so that was all cool. And uh, yeah, it's no new, no time limit or whatever, so it's all good. All right, great. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Like when uh, we first uh, scheduled it. Uh, your publicist was like, uh, "Oh yeah, let's do it at uh, eleven thirty uh, a.m. your time." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, wait, that's that's at night on a Friday night, man. Are you sure? Are you sure it's, it's twelve hour difference?" <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, band comes first before everything, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's nice enough. I mean, it's probably a good excuse for me to sort of stay in and be responsible and all the rest of it. So yeah. Right. I om- like sometimes I almost feel like it's easier for me to do interviews with people on your side of the world when I'm getting around like the other things in my life, like my day job and, and stuff like that. Cause there is that 12 hour difference. So like I could do like, I could do like, you know, noon your time and it'd be like midnight my time and I'll actually be free around that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you know, we will play music. So we're all night owls sort of thing. So it's all, <laughs> it's all great with us. Right, right, right. Okay. So, um, Right now, the you know the band you know make them suffer. You guys are closing in on ten ten years now being a band. When you sort of look back to those early years of starting everything, what really sticks out in your mind about that time? Uh, well, I suppose um, I mean pl- playing playing the local shows. I mean, the, they're some of my most vivid vivid memories. I guess so I was, is playing you know. Uh, local local shows with my friend like before we even did our first Australian tour you know being on the sort of um, west coast of Australia it was a uh, you know an insane experience and such a, there was such a great sense of community around then around uh, the local scene here in Perth um, it's it's all a bit different now and um, I mean uh, I feel like we've been through a lot of different sort of times and eras of music and we've, we've been around long enough to sort of see you know how 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 the music scene has changed and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, playing local shows has always been a a huge thing for us. Uh, I think you know getting signed and 
uh, yeah, uh, getting signed, doing our first tour. I mean, these are all sort of doing our first tour, doing our first international tour. These are all sort of, um, I guess, yeah, uh, pillars of, of our career that, you know, we'll always remember. I mean, I, I will never forget our first tour. That's just, you know, that's <laughs> one for the books. What was your first tour? Uh, it was our, our first tour was in Australia and, uh, you know, we were such, uh, idiots back then. We, you know, we, we just had no idea of, of how something like that would work. So, you know, everyone was saying, you know, you rent a van and you, um, you know, drive up and down the East coast. And we were like, well, no, like, you know, we looked into it and a van's really expensive, didn't bother to do the math. And we just decided that it would be like, you know, cheaper and easier if we just sort of you know, took public transport to and from venues. And so we were catching all these greyhounds and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and buses and trains and even ferries to these shows, <coughs> just getting around in public transport. And it's, uh, yeah, it sort of ended for the worst. I mean, we, you know, there were a bunch of shows that we couldn't even make because we were just like, look, we have literally run ourselves into the ground financially. All of us were calling up our parents and stuff and going, oh, please. You know, we were like 19 at the time and just going, oh, yeah. oh please. Like, look, we're so broke. Just like, can we have some money to, you know, get to some of these shows? And we did miss out on a lot of them. But, you know, it was, a, it was an experience. I mean, I remember getting into, uh, oh, shit. No, it wasn't Mackay. It was, um, one of the, one of these shows and, and we sort of rocked up after doing like a 14 hour bus trip. And then having to cart our gear from the bus port, like it was like a, a solid like forty-five minute walk into town, oh. carrying our gear in a shopping trolley <laughs> with like drunk people all around us yelling like "Oh, Metallica's in town!" and just like yelling stupid shit like that. So it was it was, it was pretty funny, man. And when you when you look back, and then and then these days, it's you know it's all so organized, and you're like, oh, yeah, what's the rider? You know, you're worried about like you know how much how much you're getting given by the sort of touring company or the venue or whatever. You know, if they've provided with you with sufficient snacks and chips and meals and stuff like that, and it's like really when you look back at it, dude, we could be uh, living out of a shopping trolley. So <laughs> right, it's it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy. When you sort of look back to those early years, how did you guys sort of fit into the local scene? Uh, were you guys different than the other bands that were that were around at that time? I mean, when you're a local band, it's it's a different sort of thing. So you know, we were, you know, we were a deathcore band with keys, and you know, that was our point of difference. And they'd go, "Oh, wow, that's so different," you know, at the time. And then, you know, music evolves, and and the local scene evolves, and people get smarter and wiser, and they go, "You know, that's that's, that's not so different anymore." I mean, I've heard Abigail Williams, I've heard Winter Plague, and stuff like that. And I guess that's kind of like you know part of what pushed us to, you know seek something and uh, get, uh, like seek a, seek a point of difference that was beyond that, I suppose. But, um, I mean, like we were, we, we were, I guess I, I'm not trying to, not trying to sound sort of cocky or whatever, but from the get go, you know, like we opened a show and we opened a show with, uh, that was our, actually our, our current guitarist's EP launch. He was the headliner in a band called Arturo Chaos. And, uh, you know, he, he, they, they had their EP coming out and we, we opened and, you know, everyone turned up for us and sort of left after that. And I think from that point it was like, okay, this is a sign that, you know, maybe things, this might be a thing, this, this band. Um, I mean, it was such a positive, positive feedback after that show. And so from that point, I think we all decided, 
to start taking it seriously. I think uh, Nick was like uh, Nick, the person who played Nitro, the, the guitarist. Um, you know, he was, you know, all on board, and you know, he personally selected us, going, you know, this is a sick band, and we should definitely want to put them on the on the bill and everything, and. It all just sort of came from there. I mean, we, you know, we, I, I don't think we would still be going if we'd had, you know, a run of, you know, super negative feedback. I mean, we've we've almost all be, always been looking for an excuse to throw in the towel in some regard. I mean, sometimes I think, you know, geez, life would be easier if you were just like, you know, uh, I don't know, a plumber or something like that, but. Uh, here we are, you know, many years later, and and we're still doing it. So yeah. Why do you think you were, you know, having those thoughts about, you know, just kind of like throwing in the towel? I think like most. Uh, well, firstly, like the fact that it took us so long to like get off the ground, like particularly coming from Perth. I mean, we're on the we're on the west coast of Australia, and if you know the geography of Australia, you know it's the other side. Essentially, we're the most isolated capital city in the world. So, like getting anywhere that meaningful and playing meaningful shows is is a very tricky thing. Um, and so, you know, that's that's a huge aspect of it. Um, just just feeling like we weren't making progress always is a big thing. And it's like, you know, you're on a time limit. Um, you know, are we growing fast enough? versus you know how quickly can i finish this degree and you know i did finish a degree and you know that, that's part of it and i finished it and i was like well look if i if i use this i can't really do the band anymore so that came a difficult decision and and um i think it's 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 just always like that you know i just think in life you just always have to check yourself every every six months every year and just go you know where are you going is this is what you're pursuing moving at a fast enough rate? Because if not, I can do something faster, or maybe not. But you know, at the end of the day, like this is what we all want to do, and um, it's all been sort of working out thus thus far uh, as slow as it has gone for us. Um, I definitely think we're at a point now where you know the sky's the limit, so we will continue to do so. What sort of what sort of uh, degree did you get? I did um, graphic graphic design and advertising, so it was pretty cool. It was only like a three-year degree. Yeah. Okay, um, Make Them Suffer has a new album coming out, Worlds Apart. You know, what was the mind state of the band going into this album when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do with it? Well, um, I think that... Um, well, Worlds Apart is exactly that. I mean, as the title suggests, uh, previously, you know, we had had Never Bloom, which is our, you know, our staple album. And uh, I think that the song Never Bloom and other songs off that, that album will be like, and like for those people who have known us for that long, will be like anthems for those people that have been following us for that long. You know, uh, a lot of the diehard fans really respect that era in our musical career. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for that, you know, by all means. Um, the, the, we, we put our old souls, which is my opinion, probably our, our weakest uh, release. And you know, that's just my that's just my opinion. A lot of people like that release, and that's fine. But you know, with this album, we were sort of, um, I guess, it, yeah, it's it's worlds apart in the sense that it is really like tackling unknown territory. Um, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, we're playing a lot of stuff in, in like major scales and bringing these really pretty melodies. And at the same time, you know, even the heavier ones kind of have this otherworldly feel. Um, 
it's a different vibe and 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 uh, I think we all had a, a much clearer sort of um, direction of, of how we wanted to go about writing these songs as well like we, we we knew what each other's role was in the studio like Nick will write these uh, Nick will write these riffs and send me these riff banks with, uh, it's like a you know a program file in 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 whatever uh, recording program we're using and and uh, it would have like you know 10 15 riffs sort of thing and it would send that to me and yeah. I'd chop them up and send away the the bad riffs and put them in an order that sort of makes sense in terms of a song structure and how the vocals were going to go over it. And, uh, you know, we had that pretty down pat. I think Nick and I had a very um, strong synergy and understanding of what we wanted this album to be. And um, I think um, ha- having put out um, Ether and have and that having such a, uh, as a single and having that, that having such a strong response sort of gave us the confidence to just go, well, look, let, let's just write music for ourselves rather than thinking, you know, this might or might not fit into our discography. Right. Why did you, uh, why did you think old soul souls was your weakest, uh, album? I think it's our weakest, um, not from a songwriting standpoint, but because we tried with so many different producers. So like, I think amongst the album, it has a, you know, something like four, four different engineers that are doing different mixes. So when you listen to like one track and then you skip to the next, you'll see this like completely different like shift in production where like it almost sounds like a completely different band. But I mean, it doesn't sound like a different band. Like the songwriting is still, you know, works in its entirety. But I mean, the, yeah, just the, the just the difference in production um, hinders the album, in my opinion, being like a unified sort of piece of work um yeah this you know this all-encompassing you know piece of artwork that you know makes sense in itself with all these tracks sort of tying together it really sort of hinders that and uh but um you know that album was so important for us i know i'd say while it may not be like our best album i definitely think it was our most important because it allowed for experimentation like through that we learned what styles of production work for us and from that you know we said you know i think the best you know, it may not be the best song, but you know, I think the best mix on the album is definitely uh, Forrester's mix of um, the song Old Souls. And then from there we went, okay, cool. Well, let's use like Forrester for the next album. And that's exactly what we've done. So, you know, we took, you know, we, we took an experiment and we used it to our advantage, I think, with this next album and decided that, you know, that was the best method and style of production to do it also gave us like a bit of a vision of what like what we wanted to do with the next album what things would sound good with that production and uh used to try our advantage right yeah when i uh when i listened to the new album you know <laughs> you guys you know you know came came up as a deathcore album but with this with the new album it's you know there's a lot more there's a lot more of a melodic route that it's going and it seems looser but still brutal you know why do you think it was important for you guys to add this variety to this new album well it wasn't important in the sense of it wasn't important in the sense of our career it was important for ourselves you know i mean i don't really listen to a whole lot of you know super heavy stuff anymore i mean growing up um i, I never even really liked deathcore though all that much you know i, I grew up a, a death metal kid you know but my favorite bands are nile behemoth um decapitated yeah. um and then black metal you know dark funeral belphegor things like that so um the album was um 
you know, for us, I think it was it was so important to um, kind of do something that really really pushed out pushed our limits and um, allowed us to experiment and uh, do the music that you know first and foremost that that we wanted to do. Um, it, this is you know this album is a conglomeration or a creation of uh, and a unified effort of like all our influences and what we listen to during the day-to-day week and I think when you're playing in a genre such as metalcore or metal or deathcore or whatever it is that is so saturated by people doing all the same thing I think the most important thing you can do is try and like you know breach breach that and uh, come up with something that's original because I mean at the end of the day you know you can put out the best metalcore song in the world but I just think that you know, first and foremost, it's not going to get noticed and there's no integrity in that. You know, you may as well put out something that's going to be exciting and new and something that's different and it's drawing from all these influences that people have never, um, you know, ex- experienced in, in that spectrum before. Um, you know, th- that's why Deaf Heaven have done so well. That's why um, Code Orange are doing so well, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> it's stuff like that. You know, you're recreating, you're redefining the, the wheel and I, I'm not meant to say that we're doing that, but that's that's the goal definitely definitely yeah before um on the two on the two previous albums you guys were with uh, roadrunner records now you're with rise records why was the change um i well no no so so we're with um we're with roadrunner records in australia yeah and then we're with ride rise records for everywhere outside of australia so we were independent okay. for everywhere out of australia um so we're still with roadrunner and um, oh okay yeah, all right They've been great for us, and uh, that's that's been a, a positive thing. Um, we'd never toured uh, really all that much internationally, and so that was a, the next step, I guess, for us was to you know sign with an international label, and um, you know coming into Rise Records. I mean, obviously, I think I think a lot of people have all these sort of preconceptions about you know what Rise Records might represent or what that is, but you know, for us, it was just purely a, a matter of, you know, what does the contract look like? Are these guys going to serve uh, serve us in our best interests, you know? Are they going to work for us? You know, I think it's a positive relationship, and um, I'm super stoked to be with Rise. I mean, I don't think that, you know, they haven't given us the slightest bit of uh, criticism when it comes to, you know, we don't like this new direction or we do like this new direction. They've absolutely, you know, let us do our own thing. And, and that's how it, that relationship should be with a label and with any label. And that's how it is. I mean, we're writing the music that we want to write and that comes first and foremost, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. You guys have some, uh, killer tours coming up. You got, you're with, uh, enterprise earth and spite here in North America. Then you can go back home to Australia, then to Europe. You know, what's, uh, you know, what do you have in store for the tour um, coming up? Uh, the U.S. tour? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I mean, Enterprise Earth and Spite are both very heavy kind of bands. So, you know, we're hoping to bring that as well. Um, you know, this is our, this would be our third U.S. tour. Uh, the first two, we both, uh, both of those tours, we only had a half hour set list. So we only really got an opportunity to play uh, you know, you know, half an hour's worth of songs. And, uh, both of those were sort of like more leaning towards the medical side of the spectrum in terms of the bands we were touring with. So we played a lot of the, the newer stuff and things like that. Uh, this tour, 
yes, it is our album tour, and we are going to play like a number of tracks off the new album. We're also going to be playing a lot of older stuff, a lot of our heavier, older stuff, and really, really uh, diving into our, I, I guess, back catalogue and discography, and um, playing some of the more, uh, yeah, crushing heavy metal songs that would really work with that tour package with with Enterprise Earth and Spider. I mean, both those bands are so heavy and. You know, we don't we don't want to be. You know, the last thing we want to be is the is the least heaviest band on the tour. So <laughs> we're gonna try and um, we're gonna try and bring the, the the heavies to that tour for sure. Right. Uh, somewhat recently, uh, there has been member changes in the band, and I'm always having this conversation with bands that go through this. Um, you know, it happens. Life happens. Things change. Um, you know, what caused the changes in the band and is there any sort of new creative energy in the band right now? Um, creative energy, I would say no. I mean, <laughs> how this whole thing came about was, um, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we put out Old Souls in 2015 and it's been really since Old Souls that all these lineup changes have happened and it's because we started touring full time and that's like the bottom line, you know. We went through it from a band that was touring two or three months of the year to a band that was touring six months of the year, and uh, that's just how it went down. And um, that 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 lifestyle is is just straight up not for everyone. I mean, people do these tours and they think that's their dream, and then they and then and then they do a couple of them, and then they realize, well, this really isn't for them. And and for a lot of the people in the band, you know, we're very we're quite a reclusive band um and uh you know it wasn't for everyone and that's just how it how it sort of turned out you know louisa is now you know she's uh doing her teaching um chris has has found another job monty's opened a bar and so they're 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 doing their own personal endeavors and you know all the power to them i mean i i have nothing but respect for those guys for you know being able to distinguish what it is they do and don't like and and then going for that I think that's the most important thing of all. But you know, for for myself and Nick and Tim, you know, this is this is what we want to do, and so we're we're in it for the long haul. We're we're going to pursue this, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's kind of was was why it was why those guys left. I mean, um, at the moment, I don't think it's impacted the writing process at all. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, Chris wrote uh, a couple of the songs on Old Souls. He wrote quite a few of the songs in Neverbloom. Uh, Monty has written one song on Old Souls. Um, Nick's written the majority of, of – Nick has wrote the majority of the music on – is it written or wrote? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the majority of music on, on, on um, in our discography and, uh, you know, with this album, this new one, he, he really stepped up to the plate. Um, in terms of the guitar writing and all that sort of stuff, and I and I allowed him to do so. You know, we started coming into the album with uh, not so much a sense of you know is this a make them suffer track, but more a sense of you know is this just a good riff? And just looking at each riff individually and analytically, and just being like you know, it doesn't really matter whether it's make them suffer or not. This is just is it good or is it bad? You know, and that's the most important thing I think. So um, that's how we, you know, we, we aim to sort of achieve like a kind of diverse sound. We aim to change our sound as much as we can and always experiment and come up with new ideas. And I think that's how, how we've done that. I, I, um, it's, this has been the smoothest recording process that we've uh, you know, really seen in the band's career, I'd say. Why do you think it was, uh, it was so smooth? 
Um, I think it was just, um, you know, everyone knew what their role was. I mean, the, the new members, uh, you know, they, they appreciate that, you know, Nick and myself and Tim have been in the band for as long as we have and we know kind of what we're doing by this point. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's their sort of responsibility to accept that. And, and, uh, you know, as, 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 as time goes on, you know, they will have more of a say and that's just how it goes. But I mean, you know, we all knew our roles, you know, Nick and myself, you know, Nick writes, you know, 15 guitar riffs and will send them to me in a recording program. And I'll, you know, uh, you know, some of these riffs might make sense. Some of these riffs might not. Some of them might go into each other. Some of them might not. And I'll just sort of chop them up, chop them together, put them in an order that makes sense, scrap the bad ones, and uh, work out a way that is going to make sense for the vocals to go over the top of them. And then from there we can refine and develop and, and change things. But essentially, in essence, that's just kind of how it is. And, you know, I let Nick have free reign over the guitar these days because I think it's so important and, uh, you know, he's just come so much out of his shell in terms of a writing sense because of that. And uh, it's it's allowed me to really experiment as well with what I'm, with what I'm putting down over the music. With um, with the new members in the band, is, you know, is everybody comfortable with each other uh, by this time? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I've known both Booker and Jaya for a very, very long time. Like, we're all from Perth. It's not like we're getting people from different cities. Right. You know, I've known Booker. I mean, Booker is firstly like Louisa, our previous keyboardist's old friend. Um, you know, they were, their birthdays are only a couple of days apart, and they've they've been mates for such a long time. I I've known Jaya, and Nick has known Jaya since a very long time. I mean, Nick and Jaya used to play in an uh, in a band together, like back in two thousand and oh, jeez, eight, nine, something like that. And make them suffer used to play geese this this band before you know nick sort of joined us and, right um yeah so i mean they always had a, a solid sort of synergy on stage and kind of knew each other i mean they live together so you know they've always had like a, this really close connection this really solid understanding of like where both those guys are at musically um for for one another and um yeah, it's 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 almost like the uh, member changes have been almost too seamless. You know what I mean? It's it's almost like, you know, it was meant to be that way the entire time, and maybe we just didn't, we just hadn't done that yet. Right? Isn't it crazy? Like that? It's like such a small world that like a a musician that you guys used to do shows with a long time ago is now in the band. Well, it is a, it is a small world, and things like that happen quite a lot of the time. But I mean, that's how you sort of build up your resume in the music scene you know they played shows together and nick vouched for him and that's just kind of how it was i'd always known jaya <coughs> as a really sort of stand-up dude someone that i always got on with and you know onto it he's such a good energy and um i think um yeah there, there's the, definitely that aspect to it um but i mean i think that it it, it was always it was always sort of meant to be that way in a sense. What I what I really love about Make Them Suffer is that you have that dynamic where you have uh, you're on the, uh, the unclean vocals, then you uh, you had Louisa on the sung vocals and on the keys, and then um, 
you hit where you had that male female sort of dynamic in the vocals and now that um you know you transitioned from Louisa to Buka um you know why was it important to sort of keep that dynamic you know true to this <coughs> band even you know in transitioning uh personnel members like going from Louisa to uh, Buka uh i mean it's funny you ask that because i mean when we were um first starting out um it was actually Chris our previous bassist and and very close friend of mine who um you know was initially like yeah we should definitely get a, a female keyboardist because it might open so many doors for us in in the future and i was like well listen i just want someone that's going to play really well you know that's the most important thing for me and i guess that's my logistical brain sort of kicking in in in, in that sense but um i uh, i think that you know at this at this point when we've put out tracks with a female singing i mean Firstly, it'd be weird if we didn't play those tracks, and oh. secondly, it'd be weird if we played those tracks and with this female singing on a backing track. But thirdly, I think you know, having uh, a female that does clean singing in the band just like opens so many doors. I mean, we've all heard like metalcore bands with um, you know a really girly sounding like male clean singer, or you know all these sort of like niches and. Um, and uh, cliches that, that, that fall within the genre. And um, I don't, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, you know, having a female in the band could, could be considered a gimmick to some people. But, uh, you know, I see it as blessing because, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not like we're doing like an Evanescence thing. Like with this album, we're actually, you know, really pushing the envelope in, in like what we can do with that. And it's like still super heavy music and like, I think to be able to incorporate female vocals in creative ways in like a super heavy metal sort of spectrum is is something that's really original. It hasn't been done before. So like just even having that dynamic open so many doors in terms of, you know, what we can do and what would still be considered original. Right. Yeah, no, it's and no, I really dig it, man. It's like that was one of the things that uh really sort of, you know, drew me to, you know, to your band. And I love that dynamic. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. As as the, like one of the veterans of the band, you know, one of the people that have been there since the beginning, you know, at this point, what is your role in the band? You know, outside of just you know the songwriting and stuff like that, what is your role in the band? Um. Well, I suppose. Um, I mean, I've actually talked about this with Nick a couple of times, and we, you know, have come to this sort of consensus or agreement that I guess um you could consider me to be yeah what well, you know a vocalist frontman and all that sort of stuff um lyricist and also I guess like a art art director if if that makes sense to any people I don't know how many people like know what that term might sort of um you know hint at but I, I guess I guess my my role would be like you know what is what is the uh, what is what is the artwork going to be for the album? What is the concept going to be? What what imagery is sort of um, you know stemmed from this album? What does it what does it mean? Uh, what are the, what do the tracks mean? What what is what is the ethos? I guess the ethos and the pathos of the of the band and what it represents. I guess, I guess that would be sort of my main role. Right. Going going back to. Uh you know, your schooling, what you got a degree in, you know, what, how does that sort of influence like the overall look and product of this band? 
Um, well, it doesn't really. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it does subconsciously or or if it just doesn't straight up. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would consider myself. To, I mean, I don't know if I'm really putting my degree to work here. Um, <laughs> but maybe maybe in terms of an aesthetic, in terms of like you know this merch looks good or. Uh, yeah, I think uh, if there's one thing uh, that definitely um, you know benefited it, it might be. I, I don't know if people, uh, I don't know if people find our branding to be you know unified and all inclusive, uh, like a, a strong branding or, or not. But um, I definitely take steps to ensure that it's as smooth as it can be with the skills that I have. So I'll be like, you know, this is like the angle we're taking, like through my knowledge in advertising and marketing i can be like you know this is the skills that we're taking and this is the art direction that we're taking and this is kind of yeah i guess what the band represents and what it's all about um so i guess that does it does sort of play a role and i guess it's it's fitting that you know i i as i explained before so an art director of sorts but like i i don't think it's all that important i mean uh, you know first and foremost is the music i mean you, you, at the end of the day, you can't polish a turd, and if the songs aren't good, then that's then that's that. Right, right, right. Definitely, definitely, definitely can't polish a turd. Well, Sean, it's been great talking with you. I, if anybody wants more information, I make them suffer. Where can they go online? Uh, well, you can go to uh, makethemsuffer.com.au. And that has like all information about pre-orders, songs throughout, music videos, whatever you need. Otherwise, you can go to our Facebook page, which is very reliable. We keep it updated regularly. Uh, same as the Instagram, and we are on Twitter. So just search "Make Them Suffer" wherever your hearts desire, and we will be there somewhere in the realms of the internet. Awesome, been good to talk with you, and I'm definitely going to come to the show when you get to uh, to Michigan. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly, man. Cheers. Hope to see you there. Come say hi. Oh, definitely. All right, man. You have a good day and go uh, drink some beer with your mates. <laughs> Cheers, man. Have a good one, dude. All right. Later. All right. That's my interview with Sean Harmanis from the band Make Them Suffer. Go ahead and cop that album, Worlds Apart, when it comes out on July 28th on Rise Records. It's really good. I've already listened to it. It's really dope. And now let's get to the fresh of the word discussion portion of the show. And like always, I'm joined with my co-host, Detroit hip-hop artist, pro wrestling and MMA connoisseur, and proud Marine, V-Styles. What up, though? What up, though? We can also add boxing to that as well. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, boxing connoisseur. All right. All right. What's good, Kelly? You all right, man? Shoot. Uh... Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good, you know. Back still of a thing, you know. My stomach's been kind of weird this week. Uh, it, it's I I don't know, man. It's it just I don't know. I think I gotta go on we a. Get, we, we getting old, dog. That's what it is. Yeah, so we gotta do, start doing things like juice cleanses and and shit like that. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I I I juice a lot, but I try to. Uh, Stay, staying active is the key, and putting more natural shit in your body is also the key. You know, eat from the earth. Yeah. Instead of and see, that's what I was thinking about. Like of, this um this past week, I was um I was listening to Jamie Josta's podcast. He's the lead singer of Hatebreed, and he had mm-hmm. um he had Doyle from the Misfits, and then his girlfriend, who's uh 
her name's uh, um, Alyssa, and she's the lead singer to this uh, metal band, uh, Arch Enemy, and they're both vegan. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, going into, like, detail about, you know, what they eat and everything. And by the end of that podcast, mm-hmm. man, I was, like, seriously uh, considering. I'm like, I might need to try out this vegan thing, you know, or something, man. Oh, cause... yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Get away from these meats. Because um, my stomach is, know... like, like, like anytime I've, I've been, like, lately, anytime I've been having a burger or something, like, I've been paying for it afterwards. And, yeah, like, anything that goes. turning upside down. Yeah, man, I might need to, like, actually consider this vegan thing. And then I'm, like, I started thinking about, like, thing, like foods that I like. And I'm, like, there's a few things I'm, like, oh, I don't know if I can give that up. But then, I don't know, I might. Yeah. But. Yeah, it, see, but here, here's the thing. The Some of the things that is going to be hard for you to give up, you just, you do alternative stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I, when I, when I, um. Uh, when I go into, I always try to cut weight around the time um, Mo's about to have a fight. So I, I kind of like, you know, who wants to show up in front of anybody just with your gut hanging out? I, I don't want to do that. So, right. you know, I make, I make sure that I put a lot of fruits, um, a lot of water-based fruits like uh, watermelon. Um, yeah, I said watermelon first. Don't care about it. Um, <laughs> Of course you um, do. <laughs> uh, ma- mangoes, cit- citrus fruits, um, along with salads and a lot of green, a lot of green uh, vegetables. Uh, I find whenever you know I, I, I drink a lot of water and, and, and go that route, then I lose weight rapidly. Yeah, you know, because you basically got water coming out of your system all day. And the food is, you know, the fruit and the vegetables is going to satisfy you. Yeah. And it's just going to, it's just going to go through your system and it's natural. That's the most important part. Nothing's processed. Nothing's, you know, I mean, think about it. That's how we ate at the beginning of the time, you know, eating off plants. I mean, eating off trees, fruits off plants and stuff like that. So, you know, it's only right that we give up all the bad stuff and I'm definitely guilty, man. I just, I'm just coming from Burger King, man. I (laughs) I had a Parmesan, Parmesan cheese chicken sandwich, man. Right now I'm sitting up there laying on my couch. Like, why did I, why did I fucking eat this shit, man? Right, man. And I'm like thinking like, if I make this drastic change, like I, you know, in the end I'll, I'll probably feel better and I'll probably like that decision. Like the, the, like, the the thing that went off in my head the other day while I was listening to this podcast was similar mm-hmm. to that sort of switch that popped in my head when I wanted to quit drinking. So I think this might be something right. that I might actually do. Like, because I'm feeling like crap all the time. And like anytime that anything goes in my body right now, it's it feels upsetting, you know? So I'm trying to like figure out what I need to do next in regards to this because everything, because my stomach is feeling like, and like right now I'm like, I'm like that weird, like fat skinny. Like I got this little gut that it formed. Like I look, mm-hmm. I look skinny, but I'm like, I got this little yeah. like, thing going on. You underneath. Fat, skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fat skinny right now. And like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, Oh dude, I got to Uh, and I'm like just feeling like shit all the time. So 
like that might be the route the route to go uh so uh i'll figure it out you know it just i gotta i'm like i'm over like i've been like like most of the day today i've been like my like just uh with my stomach just like i need to go lay down or something <laughs> i want to do it i want to do it bad and i'm probably gonna start down my journey next monday and i'm not gonna um I'm, I'm gonna try to stay away from, you know, my guilty pleasures, man, and and put more more than eighty percent um, of the stuff that I just talked about in my body, and slowly but surely get off meat, cause uh, we only eat chicken and fish. Um, but like you just said, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, five guys might give you that call, you. You go in there and you're like, why the fuck did I eat this shit? Like, just <laughs> any burger period, any burger period right. these days pretty much, pretty much fucks me up too, man. So the, I think the big thing for me is going to be how do you prepare the food? How do you prepare? Like, I hate that part. I hate that part. Food preparation and cooking and all that. Look, look. <laughs> Um, to, today, I just so happened, you know, everybody's raving about this, this documentary on Netflix um, that's, you know, basically, you know, telling you about, at least from, from what I get, telling you about the shit that you're putting in your body, and it, and it basically it tries to get you to go vegan. Yeah. And, you know, uh, shit like, uh, was it Tufo? Tufo? Is that what it is? Oh, uh, tofu? It's like a... Yeah, tofu. I see. I fucked that up already. Yeah. Something about four letter, four letter word, and I just fucked it up. <laughs> but yeah. tofu is soy-based, and it's like compressed, and, you know, I guess they use this as a meat substitute. Yeah. I, I, how does that work? <laughs> you know, like, I need to know... You know, and I've seen a lot of vegetarian meals, and they look great, and they look like they taste great. But yeah, how the fuck do I make them? Right, there's so like that's there's, gonna be the, yeah, there's stuff that you're like, how did they how did they do that, man? How do they make this stuff like like kind of kind of taste like what they're trying to substitute or whatever? Exactly, you know? that's like, what the problem <laughs> that I'm having. To see. That's the problem that I'm having. And also, if, like, right now, you know, they say the best vegans are the ones that prepare their own meals and stuff. Yeah. But right now, right now, for me and for you, you know, until we're comfortable with doing that, we will have to actually spend money every day going to vegan places. Yeah, man. Like, I, like. I, oh, dude, I Which hate... com- becomes expensive. Right. Yeah. And it's even more expensive to be vegan, you know, and go out. Exactly. <laughs> than, than going to the fast food joints and whatever. But man, like, oh, I hate like preparing food. I don't mind going out and buying food and shopping for it. But the actual preparing of it and everything is like, oh, I hate doing that. Well, I love preparing food. Um, I love cooking. Cooking is something that, you know, especially if you try to make something that you think might taste dope. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, 
it, it never comes out correctly the first time. Nah. Generally, by the fourth, fifth, sixth time, you're pretty much on point. I want to get to the point to where when I'm preparing my vegetarian food, you know, my shit is on point. Because I think once you learn how to do what you need to do, then that's that's when it becomes less expensive. You yeah. know, because you're basically paying people to put the shit together. And they know... They know that you don't know how to do this shit, so right. they're, they're going to charge you. Right. You know, but if you learn how to do that shit, you take that that extra 3 $4 service charge, because <laughs> that's what it's really all about. We go prepare your food, but guess what? You're going to pay for it. You ever... You're going you to be helped. You gonna be healthy too, but you gonna pay for it. Right. You ever you ever go to that uh, vegan restaurant in Royal Oak in season? Nope. Never. Uh, never. The closest to a vegan restaurant I've been to was Whole Foods. Right. There's um, in season's always busy, dude. There's always it's always packed in there. You know, you always gotta wait in line to get a table. But um, and I haven't and I haven't been in years. I can't even remember the last time I was there. But there was this time. Cause, uh, cause a friend of mine used to be, uh, or not, not used to be, but he is vegan. But I haven't seen him in a while. But really? I used to go there with him, and there was this time, and they only had it for uh, a select amount of time, where they had this vegan chocolate brownie, that was the mm-hmm. best thing that I've ever tasted in my life. It was so bomb, dude. It was like amazing. It was like right. It was sexy tasting. That's how it was, man. It was. Ooh. I was like, dude, you this... went and it, see, and that's the beauty of it when you don't even care that it's vegan in it because it tastes so dope. It tastes so good, but but then like they never brought it back. You know, every time I go there, I'm I'm like, oh man, they don't have that, man. It was so good though, man. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I, something clicked in my head. I ha- I want to do something different because I I don't know if I can do like, do you know like the 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 like the non-vegetarian non-vegan eating healthy that sort of thing mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I can mm-hmm. do that that shit's too confusing for me that's really confusing it's, for me I don't know it's how to all do that confusing. <laughs> I will be cool I look, I will be cool with just having one vegan dinner because because I know how to adjust. From bre- breakfast is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, lunch lunch is pretty simple, but the main meal I have to change my main meal. If I can change my, ma- I, I can adjust the, you know, fruits and vegetables very quick. But I have yeah. to adjust. I have to be able to adjust to you know my my main course on a daily basis. Uh, definitely, you know, vegan wise. You know, but. You know, ain't nothing to it but to do it. Right. And, my, and for my, those that can dance, to clap your hands to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my friend that I used to hang out with who's, who's vegan, uh, it's funny. He, did, he didn't even do it for the health reasons. He did it for the humanitarian reasons. Um, mm-hmm. and, but he knew, like, everything that was vegan, like the back of his hand. And he could order, like, order what would be considered vegan at pretty much any place we went to you know it didn't have to be a vegan spot you know we could go anywhere and he could figure out what what he could have and it was crazy he knew he knew everything like the back of his hand and what was like um you know 
like even what beers he could have that was considered vegan, you know, in, in the realms of like alcohol. Those type people, those those type people scare me. <laughs> right, like he, he knew it all, man. So he could go anywhere and like know how to get, you know, put in an order that was still vegan. Yeah, that's dope. See, that's that's what you want to do when it becomes second nature. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can't, I can't. I can't do none of that shit now. Like I said, I just learned about tofu today. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. I'll, I'll try to uh, do my research and see if I can. Uh, Let's go know. to that restaurant maybe next week. You were just talking about the one to roll up. Oh yeah, definitely. We definitely because I I remember when I went there, I'd always get like the um the the spaghetti that they had, and it would have vegan cheese on the top, and that shit was bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was bomb. That, that, that won't that be live. <laughs> Turning our attention to some other crazy news. Uh, did you hear about this thing? Uh, Shane McMahon was, like, involved in a helicopter crash in the Atlantic Ocean today. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen, um, you know, it kind of caught me off guard. But I was like, wow, you know. He was okay though. Right, he man. Okay. There's no injuries. Uh, it was like I mean crazy, man. Sometimes look, some sometimes things happen for a reason and you can't question why it happened. You just gotta be thankful that you're alive and you know, keep it moving and you know, maybe he can use that and motivate people in different ways, man. But it's a reason he's still here because how many people you know uh, went up in a helicopter and basically, you know, I mean, you might as well say for all this purpose that they crashed into wherever they were at, and he's good. So, good for him. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, was it, like, not enough to, like, jump off of every prop in the WWE? He's like, I'm going to crash. I'm going to I'm gonna survive a yeah, helicopter crash. <laughs> That, that's some that no, that's some pimp shit. Right. Wait, I'm <laughs> that's gonna straight up some pimp. I'm gonna play this like I have this like hooked up right set right now. There's this little thirty second news clip of him on the news, like the ABC News, uh, that uh, Sports Illustrated uh, posted. I'm gonna play it right now. Okay. Well, it's very unsettling, you know, when all of a sudden you have, you know, something happen. You hear a bang and. Um, and then you start saying we're going to do an emergency uh, landing in the water. So, uh, yes, it, w- it was very unnerving. Um, but, again, uh, Mario was super calm, which made me super calm, and uh, and we landed perfectly. Are you Vince McMahon's son? I am. Oh, okay, they just asked me to ask that. Um, <laughs> you, um, he said, are you Vince McMahon's son? Hell no. What did she say after that? Um, They cut it off. Like, she, Well, she said that, oh, I was asked to. Uh, I was told to ask that. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he was like basically just some regular dude, like, like to you know the way everything was set up. Like afterwards, he was just like some regular dude that was in a helicopter uh, accident, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. they were like, "Are you are you Vince McMahon's son?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And I'm like, <laughs> but uh, dude, that's no one saying, no one saying, no one saying. He probably was trying to be low key with it. Yeah, he was trying to be low key with it, probably, because you know, he, like you said, man, like the the guy that was flying the helicopter, Mario, he was calm, made him calm. They're calm, mm-hmm. you know, and they got through it. So I'm glad he, uh, glad no one got injured. 
That's right. We can see Shane O'Mac in another match someday. Yeah. <laughs> Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac. And they'll probably... Dude, they're going to have to reference this on SmackDown at one time or another. Oh, you know up. they are? <laughs> you know they are. Motherfucking airplane can't... A motherfucking helicopter can't kill me. Come get some. <laughs> Come get some. All right, um... You know, since we last talked, uh, we finished the Mayweather and McGregor World Tour. Uh, they, like, totally, you know, went there uh, in all regards. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like. Oh, my God. Like, they're, you know, they were, like, crossing them lines, man. Uh, Mayweather called him a faggot. And Habitually. Then- Habitually. <laughs> Habitually crossing the lines. McGregor was talking about all this dance, you know, dance boy. Dance for me, boy. Dance. dance. You can repeat it, Kelly. You good, baby. You good. <laughs> dance for me, boy. And, dance for me. And then another, Come on, son. And then another, in, like, in, in another interview or whatever, they were talking about, like, the Rocky movies, and he was talking about the dancing monkeys or something. Dancing like, like monkeys. Like, dude, man, they're going. They're, they're habitually crossing these lines now, man. So, so, um, I think Connor is one of these people that he's one of these privileged people. And, you know, I'm not saying his background because everybody knows the story of, you know, him being on welfare. But now that he's made it status wise, I think we're seeing the real person. Um, I mean, it's all fun. You know, it can be all fun and still be disrespectful without crossing the line. And I definitely think he initiated a lot of this shit, you know, talking real slick. And, you know, the best quote from him to me, the whole promo tour was, you're bringing your little school back up here? But what do you bring your school back for, uh, you can't even read. Yo, that, that shit was hard. That was hard, man. That that was, yo, that was hard, that, man. That was, and for Floyd to keep his composure like that, I was like, okay, he ain't go, he ain't go hit this motherfucker. But you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, then you have Floyd, you know, trying to hit him back, calling him a faggot, and you know, I, I just think. Our society is a little crazy. You know, here it is. You know, nobody really, I mean, don't get me wrong, people like me and you and others, a small percentage of us, um, you know, we were kind of like offended with the whole dance for me, boy. And then oh, yeah, the first the time he said that, the, I was like, ooh, oh, don't go there. Yeah, ooh. I was like, that was, look, that was the first day. Yeah, that was the first and day and he said like, that. I was like, ooh, 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 don't, ooh, ooh, ooh. I was, I was like, man, no, I said, you know, did anybody hear that shit? Right. I was, I was like, I know I can't be the only one that heard that shit. Right, I was like, wait a you minute. You know, so. I'm like, did, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, did, did y'all hear what he just said? And then the next day you see the whole Jimmy Kimball clip with, you know, talking about, Apollo and them in the gym, you know, calling them fucking monkeys. So, like, you can't convince me that he doesn't know. Like, everybody knows when you say monkey, it ain't what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. But 
when when you say some shit like, like when you say dancing, who are you talking about? I mean, it's obvious who you was talking about, man. So to come out and try to do damage control, talking about, oh, I'm not gay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not racist. And then your dad come out and say, oh, that's preposterous. He's not. Or what about you the know, way he? Wait, wait, what about the way he said it during the the next press conference when he's like, like I'm I'm black from the waist down. From the way that that whole ass shit too. Like every time he interjects race into you know a point he was trying to make or a statement, right? He completely dropped the ball, which. If you ask me, had he not done that, had he not even brought race up or been condescending, you know, about it, you know, you could easily say it would have been for nothing him. You know, I think him having them stellar-ass race jokes gave Floyd, you know, a little momentum. Because now people yeah. are like, wait a minute, hard. If you look at the, if you look at the Madison Square Garden footage, or uh, the the the, the uh, Barclay Center uh, footage, you know, he fell dead on those comments. Like the fans was like, "Boo, you hoe ass motherfucker, boo." Yeah, that, that's what I heard. You know, so Floyd, you know, I think kind of gave Floyd, you know, he gave him a, a different edge. Then when he then when he said some whole ass shit about, yeah, your daughter, come sing for me. Come sing. Like, what type of whole ass shit? You know, you going to say that shit to his daughter? Right. When his, when, when, when historically, if you look back, that's, that's the type of shit slave owner used to say to the slaves' kids. Come, come, come dance for me. Come sing for me. You right. know, like it was a little cute. Like it was real cute. So, yeah, I had a problem with that shit, man. But, um... A percentage, but nobody got into a fucking uproar until Floyd called him a faggot. Now Floyd is the worst person on this planet. You know, he is, oh my God, man. Uh, you know, it's just like, wow, are you kidding me? So, you know, um, you know, he says the word, you know, fag, and it's, it's like everybody's losing it over that. So right. I'm like, okay, well, well, you know, I have no problem with, uh, you know, with gay people or, or the the homosexual community. You know, they, they, they do their thing, you know, more power to them. But I, I just honestly believe that in today's day and age, uh, you know, homosexuals are pretty much the new black people. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, I hate to even be like that, but I've, I've seen cases where, you know, they like to compare, compare their plight to, you know, African-Americans, and you can't compare it. You can't compare it at all. And it, you you can't, you know, you're not supposed to, to, to be negative, you know, either way. But it's like, wow, you guys got more angry, the general public got more angry about Floyd's faggot comments. You know, it, definitely a despicable word, 
definitely degrading. Um, But they got more angry about that than Connor saying everything he said that could have been considered racist. You know, or has been considered racist. So right, yeah, and everybody's like we, eating all this stuff up, and like, and like that uh, thing that's been kind of going around. And you posted about how, like, here in the U.S., like Conor McGregor is getting more of the uh, the fan reaction for someone who's a foreigner, whereas yeah. you know, Mayweather is the you know the person from this country. And he's the one getting the booze and being hated on. You know, you know, Mayweather has done things in his, you know, career and his life to certainly piss off certain people oh, and, and certain races indeed. of people and stuff like that. But still right now, like the foreigner is the is the guy who's like getting all the love in the States. So, and it's, yeah. he's the white guy though, man. He's the white guy. The foreigner is the white guy. It's just, uh, for me, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not, I should be surprised, but I'm not surprised. Right. Um, we, we, we live in a, in a different ass, we live in a different ass world and it's, it's just really sad. Really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Man. What are we going to do though? What are we going to do? We still got five more weeks of this. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they yeah they definitely just sort of just crossed all the lines habitually during that thing. But it's like I think a lot of people were like, you know, uh, McGregor was gonna smoke Mayweather in like the promo game in the words game and everything. But you know, Mayweather you know kept his cool pretty much and. And pretty much stuck with him, and with all those like sort of, you know, racist jabs that McGregor was doing, it you know it, you know, really sort of even the playing field and everything, and gave like, like you know Mayweather some openings on these promos. It's one word I don't want to hear for the next five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Like dog, straight up, man. Yeah. Points uh, to the easy work. <laughs> hard work. Hard work. Dedication. Dedication. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he didn't do nothing that you know I didn't expect. You know. Um, but, you know the funny thing Floyd is, is though. Floyd. I know the funny thing, and maybe maybe I'm missing something. Uh, There's something that I just like noticed. Like I can see that there's animosity between McGregor and uh, Mayweather uh, for whatever reason, but I don't see like real hate between those guys. I I feel like there's like no, this business. This is business. They shared a private. They shared a private jet together going over to London. They know what's at stake. There's, I wouldn't be surprised if they was on a plane together. Say, hey man, this is we gonna do with this man. Right, Did that's exactly. Like, yeah, I, like exactly. I know they had to have, be like them two alone somewhere, 
setting all this up. This is what we're going to do. These are the lines we're going to cross. This is the shit we're going to do. They're going to eat it up, and we're going to make a ton of money. Do you mind if I say dance for me, boy? I couldn't agree. There's no way I could agree with that shit. And let alone let this motherfucker get on a plane with me after you said some whole ass shit like this. Like, Right. Like, get on a plane. Fuck out of here. And the funny thing is, too, and the the funny thing is, the whole time all these press conferences are happening, man, you see just everybody else on stage, especially Dana White and, uh, and Leonard Ellerby, just smiling, laughing. They have, like, dollar signs in their eyes, man. It's like... Oh, man. Like, man, it's like so obnoxious just seeing their their faces the whole time, because you just see the dollar sign. Like they're like they're breathing dollar signs. They're they're shitting out dollar signs right now, like just watching this. I still, <laughs> I I think, I don't think it's gonna break the Pac Man Floyd record. I think it'll get close to it, you know. But I don't think I think a lot of people are more so turned off by this. Then I mean, you got your crazies that want to see it, of course, and I think it it could possibly do three and a half, four million, but it won't get close to five like like the Pac Man fight because that just was so highly anticipated. For the most part, people that understand the, the sweet science right. know that Floyd is go beat the brakes off this dude, and then all the stupid people. And yeah, I said stupid. Yeah, stupid. All uh, the stupid people are are giving Connor a chance. He does have a chance. He got a chance to get knocked the fuck out. That's what he got a chance. I'm just saying, you know, he maybe maybe Floyd will look at him and be like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> I did. I did like that. Uh, Mayweather would bring up uh, uh, Nate Diaz. Uh, Yeah, I also like. Look, I also like him talking to Dana. Dude, that was the best. Oh, me and you, the only one got. It's like he wouldn't even acknowledge Connor. He had to be like, yeah, because you know you've done a a wonderful job with the UFC, and I would like to apologize. (laughs) Hey, because you making money, I'm making money. You got one of your bitches up here. You gonna make money off him? Let's give it up for Dana White, y'all. That was that that was that was one of the best things that um that Mayweather did. That was during great. The, that was great. I I laughed every time he did that. I was like, man. <laughs> it's like it's like he just kind of right in front of him. He'd be like, yeah, but they don't like getting that money though. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I right, uh turn to uh. Another crazy thing going on uh, in the world of pro wrestling, the WWE, the reveal that we've been all waiting for about what was going on with Kurt Angle. Uh, <laughs> with the, Dude, Jason Jordan ended up being his son. And, <laughs> know the, the dumbest f- shit I've ever seen. Dog, know what the funny thing is? Like, like, know the funny thing is, is that... that Wrestling Twitter has been joking about that for, since Jason Jordan uh, in American Alpha first started in NXT. They've been joking about yeah. that for the longest they time. About, like Kirk coming back to manage. It, yeah. They always said some Kirk shit. You know, yeah, like, it, it would be nice if, you know, American Alpha, Olympic gold medalist. 
still be a perfect mentor for them. But, you know, but, but there's this, at... there's this, there used to be this meme though that it was, it was, it was I think it was Kurt Angle, and it might have been Alicia Fox. It was like Kurt Angle plus Alicia Fox equals Jason Jordan. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and that was like a year or so ago, man. And for this to actually be a storyline is actually hilarious because this was something that we're like, whoa, did, are, did WWE like read, do they read like Twitter or something, man? Because this is crazy. And the other crazy thing about it is on, on many occasions, uh, Kurt Angle's wife uh, joked on uh, Instagram about uh, – uh, American Alpha, Alpha being their sons. So, yeah, I'm wondering where they're going to go with this, but uh, it, and from what I hear, it's going to be a lengthy uh, storyline. You know, they're going to... So what? So, they're put, is Chad Gable going to stay over at SmackDown, or is he going to go to Raw? He's, pro- he's probably going to, he's probably going to stay in SmackDown, and there's word that he might actually get a decent push now as a singles competitor. And, like, he, he's, he's, he's actually such a good ring worker, and he was good as a tag team partner with uh, Jason Jordan, that this could be something actually really super cool. Like, the other week he had that, uh, that singles match with uh, AJ Styles, and that was pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. So yeah, I've we'll, seen that. yeah. So we'll yeah we'll see. Like I'm, I'm it, it's dude. It's it's wrestling in its total absurdity, um, but I'm interested to where it goes with all of this. You know, it's something that you're like, all right. Um, and what's next? <laughs> what's next? You know, <laughs> what more absurdity is you gonna go with this? You know, so I'm 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 fine with it. It's it's it's, it's it, uh, this is wrestling. It's like. How 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 absurd can we go? Do we make Chad Gable his son? No, we make the black uh, dude from American A- uh, Alpha his son. <laughs> That'd be more that absurd. Funny. This it, it just made better sense for Chad Gable. I, I don't. But that, but that's like, the thing. Wow. But that's the thing. You, you think about the thing that makes total sense, and then you think about the thing that makes worse sense and you choose the one that makes worse sense because that's that's wrestling absurdity so i understand why they would go with uh jason jordan over chad gable for this because that's just more absurd Mhm. yeah i feel you on that it is more absurd i'm fine with it i'm fine with it it's fine i'm fine with it let's see how this plays out yeah, I'm fine with it. Let's see how it plays out. It might be fun, you know. We'll see, we'll see. Uh... And the thing was, they um, after Raw, they had that uh, um, they had that interview with uh, Renee Young about it, and um, and dude, for a, dude, they were playing it off so well that I forgot that it was that this is kayfabe, man. I was like, <laughs> right, I thought, right. I thought I'm like, dude, could wait a minute. He might be. Is he? Oh, is he really his son? I'm like, is this real yeah. or not? So they, they played Crazy. it. Off, they played it off well <laughs> enough to where, like, I'm like, hmm, this might be real. Yeah, they did do. <laughs> they did do a good job playing it off. Yeah, this might be real, man. All right. I'm, okay, I'm, 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 I'm locked in. I'm locked in. 
All right, I'm locked in. Right, right. <laughs> All right, turning into some crazy shit go- going on in the world of MMA. Uh, this past weekend at Bellator, dude, did you see that fucking gash on the head of of uh, Brandon Gertz in his uh, fight against uh, Derek Campos, man? Did you see that shit? Saw it, loved <laughs> it, and he still wanted to bang. Dude, yeah, he was like... He still... Like, fuck that, let's rock. And the thing was, the blood was dripping perfectly in the middle of his his face, so it wasn't getting in his eyes. So he was able to still fight. But the crazy thing, too, is like all that blood was just... It was going out on him. It was was spewing out on Derek Campos. It was just crazy. Mm -hmm. And it was a dope fight. and And it sucked that he had to be stopped after the second round. Because it was such Indeed. a good fight. But, dude, that, that knee to the forehead, man, that wasn't just like a cut, dude. That looked like like the, the a portal to hell yeah, was about to open up in his head or something, man. That shit was Indeed. crazy. That shit was crazy, yeah. man. I was like, all right, that, uh, he's a tough totally motherfucker. Totally agree. Man. Tough motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, seen him, I've seen him live a couple times. He... He bangs, man. You know, this one of them cases that even even though he lost, he's still gay. Yeah, man. They uh, yeah. It's you, you can do you can do nothing but respect anybody that mm-hmm. that does some shit like that and is still like, all right, let's go, man. I'm I'm yo, let's go, let's go. I'm also during the the Bellator uh, uh, broadcast this past weekend. They uh, announced the next fight for your boy, our our boy now, <laughs> our boy King Mo. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Our boy King yeah. Mo. Yeah. Uh, Bellator one eighty five, like... October twentieth, in uh, Connecticut yeah. versus Liam McGarry. Woo. Yeah. Also yeah, on the, the card is, uh, is... Gagard Musasi's uh, Bellator debut versus uh, Alexander Slomenko. Dude. Yeah, I like Flamenco is nice too, but yeah, we we I always say this. Uh, yeah, my boy B. Gagar Musashi with uh, yeah six seven six seven professional fights, man. Musashi was arguably top three in the world at light heavyweight. So I would, you know, I was talking to Mo uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, man. Wouldn't it be funny if Musashi signed with Bellator? Because, <laughs> you know, I, I know that dub that you got over him still bothers him. So, you know, one day you might see him again. And, you know, Mo, you know how Mo is. I don't care. We can get it on. We fight, da 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 Right. You know, so, because they're both two different fighters now. You know, so I would be intrigued to... To see that, but bottom line is Mo is just too strong. He's too strong for Gegard, and I like Gegard. His striking has transcended, you know, over the years. So, you know, good for him. I'm glad that uh, he's in Bellator, and you know, he'll go off that middleweight strap. And you know, uh, you know, they about to, uh, you know, I, I'm here at Chell Sonic. Uh, Calling out uh, Rory McDonald. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing. I'm just hearing a lot of different shit that's going on with Bellator, man. But 
Yeah, we're going to be going up to the Mohega Sun in Connecticut. Um, we both hate Connecticut. No diss to Connecticut, but we don't, you know, it's, everything is just different in Connecticut. And they never show my boy no love, so we be like, fuck them. But we going to Mohega Sun to face Liam, Liam McGarry. Liam McGarry is a cool dude. But unfortunately, cool dudes got to get beat up too. So um, I think Mo Mo is is back to being the, the person uh, or the fighter, you know, that I met, you know, years ago. I've been I've been with Mo for about twenty one fights now. Okay. So I, I've I've watched, you know, I've seen the ups, I've seen the downs, I've. You, you just see the growth, the overall growth. And Liam McGarry, for the most part, he's still he's still blue. Even even him winning the world title in Bellator and beating T somebody like Tito Ortiz, he's still blue because Lynn Vassell dominated him. And yeah, yeah. we all know what Mo, we all know what Mo did to Lynn Vassell. And I like Lynn. I like Lynn Vassell. He's another cool dude, but he's probably going to be getting that title shot against Ryan Bader next. And, you know, we'll take on the winner of that, but we're going to get that title shot. And hopefully the stars align down the line so we can highlight Gagard again, you know, this time, this time, you know, like I, like I told him before, like, dog, notice your percentage of wins when I'm there versus when I'm not there. <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah that's it that's it is real so so uh yeah man life is good man bellator is on the roll right now and you know i think a certain alphabet company need to start looking over their shoulder man because you can't keep you know fooling the fans after a while the fans be like you know what let me get this a try you know, um, yeah, yeah, I'm loving, I'm loving what I'm seeing in Bellator, man. Shit is, shit is real dope. Um, I see they trying to set up Cain Velasquez and Stipe Miocic, um, coming up sometime in October. Hey, good job at uh, uh, pronouncing that. Ooh, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I, I've seen it out there. You know, I don't know, you know, but I also heard he's injured. So who knows? Hell, I could be wrong. But, right. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, good job at pronouncing Stipe's be... name. Exactly. Oh, yeah, said his name right, didn't I? Yeah. A couple, couple weeks ago, I was butchering that shit. Um, no diss. No diss to you, Stipe. No diss. But uh, I personally want to see my boy Doreen get another shot at him. Um, it would be nice if the the ring got another shot and get that belt that he's never had with the UFC belt, and I think that would be a career for him. You know, so yeah, man, uh, you gotta love the MMA world. You gotta love the MMA world, man. Yeah, this uh, this I'm, weekend uh, in the UFC, the, um, UFC Fight Night, and. Chris Weidman. On the uh, main Fox. Chris Weidman. On the, the grown-up Fox network. On the main Fox network. This, this on the main weekend. Fox? Yeah. You got, uh, yeah, you got, got Chris uh, Weidman against Kevin... Uh, Gastelum, yeah. Gastelum? Yeah. 
Uh, that's gonna be a hard. I, I can't. That's a pick'em fight. Yeah. To me, that's a pick'em fight. Um, I think both of them are studs. Uh, if I had to choose one right now, I'm probably might go with Kevin, and that's because the momentum or Chris Watt. When you get knocked out, um, every time I see Chris Wyman get hurt, it's like it's like he's 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 trying to escape that moment. He has the deer in headlights look in his eyes, like he knows it's gonna be his demise. Right? Damn, I just rhyming. I wasn't even trying. <laughs> see, that's what you do. He all he always has this look in his eyes. When he see his demise, that's bars. God damn it! I'm sorry. Bars, bars, bars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Chris Weidman's uh, on a bit of a losing streak right now, and it's like, if he like, if he loses this fight, I feel like he needs to like take a little bit of a break for a while, and yeah, and reassess some things man because he's just been coming back and back and back you know on these uh fights and for what what one reason or another it's like it's not working out for him you know so he almost needs to like have that sort of i think he needs i think he needs to win impressively though i don't think he should just he can go in there and win all points i think he needs to win in the same fashion he he knocked out uh uh, what's, what was my man's name? Where he hit him? It was like he looked like he was throwing a punch, and he threw an elbow. Uh, the the Filipino, uh, what is it? Filipino uh, machine. What was his name? Um, 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 let's see here. All of uh, Weidman's uh, wins have been against Belfort, Machida, Silva, Mark Munoz. My, uh, Mark Munoz, that's who it was. Mark Munoz, okay. The Filipino racket machine. It was Mark. It was Mark Munoz, man. Chris Weidman looked like he was about to throw a right hand, and he didn't throw the right hand. It's like he slipped it and threw the elbow and it hit him dead square. Yeah, you just hate to see a fighter like that, you know. Because I always said Chris Weidman was special, but. You know, getting punched in the mouth and getting hit in the head will change how you think as a fighter. It's like he's not loose anymore. It's it's like he's thinking instead of just doing it. You know, when a fighter is just doing it, not thinking, that's when they 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 they're on that level. You know, to me, it looked like Chris be trying not to make a mistake, and that's how he got gets caught up. So, I. I, I you know, I just think I think Kevin uh, Gaslam, you know, might have his number. We'll definitely see though. We'll definitely see on Saturday. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And they've uh, also uh, it looks like they announced that uh, for the next uh, Ultimate Fighter, uh, Eddie Alvarez and uh, Justin Gaethje is going to be the 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 coaches for the women's uh, flyweight flyweight that they're going to, uh, uh, you know, bring out Ooh. in the UFC. And actually, from what I hear now, the, um, the fight between, uh, you know, Alvarez and Gaethje that will eventually happen might be at the Detroit card uh, in, in December. Really? Yeah, like, that's, the, that's really? a rumor right now. Nothing's, nothing's uh, solidified, but that's like... 
the rumor around the MMA water cooler. I would like to. I would like to see. Uh, you know, and, and this guy lately has. You know, I be up and down on this dude. I want to rock with him because just on the simple fact that he's from Michigan, but Kevin Lee is. Uh, I read something today where he said he was gonna give Connor a pass on his racism. That is so not Detroit. Oh, dude. So what? not. I, okay, we keep on yeah. having this discussion. Like, he will say some shit, and we'll be like, oh, what are you saying? And then he'll say some next shit what? that we're like, okay, 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 you're cool now. But then he says some other it's shit. Like, like he, he'll take two steps forward, and then he'll take four steps backwards every fucking time. Every time I'm ready to be like, okay, well, yeah, you know, because he's from, he from the D, and then... You know, it's like certain things. I look at him. I be looking at how he dress. Man, that is not Detroit. Wearing all them tight ass clothes. You, you know, you. It's like dog. That ain't. That's not. That's not who we are, man. And then, you know, you look up a little history, and it's like, okay, you call yourself the Motown phenom, but. You know, you was born in Grand Rapids. Um, you, 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 you say, yeah, you was raised in Detroit, da, 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 but yet you went to Southfield High School. Like, it's just a lot of, a lot of shit. I got, I got a lot of questions, man. Um, you know, I got questions, you know, because you, you claim Detroit, but I don't see the Detroit shit in you, you know. Um, and nobody calls themselves anything Motown. No, no, that's not. Uh... Say, they, we don't, we don't sell yet. It's Motown. Who, who, who the fuck? No, that's not what we do. We don't. Yeah, man, we're a special breed, man. The one thing I don't like is when I feel like somebody is using Detroit because it makes them like. When you out of town and you tell a person you're from Detroit, they be like, oh, you know. Yeah. I get questions all the time. It's like I get the I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you questions. Is it really like that? Oh, yeah, it's fucking worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell them. You know. Uh, right. Do they really murder? I, I see something, you know, in the news. And did they really murder? Does murders Go out like, does that happen all the time? Oh, man, that's one of 20 that day. That you only heard about that one. It was of 20 other ones that, I mean, <laughs> and I may be exaggerating, but it's right. the truth, you know. So, so when you use Detroit, they automatically think, yeah, tough guy, or he's a bad motherfucker, man. But nobody says, yeah, I'm from Motown. <sighs> Yeah, I'm from Motown. You know, me and Gov got a record called Mr. Motown, but it's a record. You know, I don't think no dude on the planet be like, yeah, I'm Mr. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm Motown. Mr. Motown. No, <laughs> no. And again, I want to like Kevin Lee. I don't want to diss him or nothing like that, man. But, you know, he's supposed to holler at me about this pie. I ain't forgot, man. I ain't forgot, Kevin. You think you better than me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get him on the podcast and grill him about he some shit. He, he, th 
He think he better than us, Kelly. That's what he think. He think he better than us. Right. Like, he, he out there hanging out in Las <laughs> Vegas I, and shit. But the reason I, I brought him up is you're talking about the Detroit car. It would be dope. I'm pretty sure he's going to be on that car. Just, you know, yeah. is this where, where he claims? It would be dope to see him and Tony Ferguson go at it. Yeah, let's, get, let's do it. Let's get it, man. Let's get it on, man. Shoot. Let's go. You know. A long time, and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do my best, Bruce. And the winner is Kevin, the Motown Phenom Lee. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see what uh see what happens with that with that Detroit card. Uh, that that should be fun. That should be fun. <laughs> yeah, last time UFC was here, me, Royce, and Vicious, uh, Royce got us all floor seats, and we had a blast. Man, I don't remember that night. I just know it was a lot of liquor involved <laughs> that night. <laughs> That's back. That's back when Royce. That's back when he, we, you know, he was drinking. Yeah. And I just, I just remember, like, wow, what the fuck happened? I do remember Rampage was on that card against Leona Machida. Um, there's a couple people that was on that card, man. But yeah, that's when I, that's when I was mad at Rampage, man. You know, Detroit don't like you like that, man. I'm just saying. And for all his purposes, you know, we all think Leo Machida got cheated out of that fight because he was he was picking him apart that third round, man. And it had it had had the rules changed, and it had five round fights for the main event. He could have knocked Rampage out because he was picking him apart. But the first two rounds didn't help him none. So yeah, um, UFC, Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Looking okay. forward to that. Looking yeah, forward I'm looking to that. Yeah, I'm looking at that card now that was at the at the palace. That was uh November twentieth, uh, two thousand and ten. Uh mm-hmm. the co main event was uh BJ Penn uh defeating Matt Hughes. Oh yeah, I forgot about that BJ knocked his ass out. Yeah. Yeah, B BJ knocked him. I forgot BJ was on that card. Damn, I, damn. Okay, yeah, that was dope. Super dope. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was on that card? Who else was on that card? Um, Phil Davis defeated uh Tim Boach. Um Yep, and he, he used his submission. Yeah. Uh George uh I'm gonna butcher this last name. Statiropoulos. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know he, you're talking he be, about. He defeated uh, Joe Lozon. Um, Makil Fakwa uh, defeated uh, Gerald Harris, and that was the that was the mm-hmm. main card. Um, Mark Munoz was on that uh, card on the preliminary. He defeated Aaron Simpson, and there was also uh, yeah. We- Brian Foster defeated Matt drink. Brown. We was we was we was drinking around that time. I missed a lot of that shit. <laughs> oh. A lot. Oh shit! Like uh, let me see here. Uh, 
Edson Barboza was on the on the the early prelims on there. Damn, I missed <laughs> all that shit. <laughs> yeah, the uh, BJ Penn got the knockout of the night. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, okay, this is okay. I remember that. This okay. This back then the bonus awards where they had the fight of the night. That's when the Lozon and George fight. They got fight of the night. The knockout of the night was BJ Penn, and the submission of the night was Phil Davis. And they got they all got eighty thousand dollars. Mm mm mm. Damn. Good old days. <laughs> <laughs> before before punk ass before punk ass Reebok. And uh, oh yeah, and I'm looking at this too. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the wiki for this, and uh, it um it looks like uh, Brian Foster actually uh, replaced Rory McDonald against uh, Matt Brown in that fight for that night. Did Matt Brown win? Uh, no, he lost. Wow. Yeah, I don't even, man, that's seven years ago. We're going on seven years ago. Crazy. Crazy, man, crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. All right. <laughs> All right, that's about it for this week's uh, Fresh is the Word. Uh, V-Styles, tell them where they can find you online. Hit your man up on Twitter at forward slash V-S-T-Y-L-E-Z. Same thing with Facebook. Uh and Instagram at the V-S-T-Y-L-E-Z. And my artist page on Facebook is Official V-Styles. You'll see a blue check by V-O-L-S V-Styles. Hit me up, man. I love to chop it up with, with, with my people. Be respectful. Keep it clean. And I won't get in. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Hmm. Peace. Fresh is the word.